You're listening to the Reconditioned Podcast, empowering people to take back ownership of their well-being. And on today's season finale special, I go deep with the highly regarded Shaman Duret about how humanity can move out of the darkness and what we should have been taking away from the past year. So stay tuned. Your personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Welcome to the Reconditioned Podcast, where I use my knowledge and expertise of over a decade in the wellness and transformation world to take a deep dive into what makes us thrive as humans. I'm Lauren Vacneen, leading wellness and transformation coach, and following my remission from the rheumatoid arthritis I'd had for 27 years that left me wheelchair-bound by the age of 18, I created a unique coaching combination, conflating physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of self to create true, long-lasting well-being in all senses of the word. This podcast is one of the many free resources I've created to help you achieve the same. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, you're an entrepreneur wanting to step into your purpose, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable and tangible ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This season of Reconditioned is sponsored by Block Blue Light, the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products, including blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions. Blue light blocking products aim to alleviate digital eye strain, improve sleep, and optimize health through mitigating the harmful effects of artificial light from screens and modern lighting. For a 10% discount across the range, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and enter the code LAUREN10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. Welcome back, everyone. Where do I even start about today's episode? Sharman Durek, the most amazing guy. I had the pleasure of interviewing him last year for Podcast Wellness Week through Podbean, and it was such a pleasure. We stayed in touch, and he kindly agreed to come on the Recondition Podcast. And I was so glad because when we did the Podcast Wellness Week interview, I was, you know, doing it for someone else, not for my own platform. And so I had to kind of be a little bit censored, which is, you know, sometimes I kind of just want to go there and just not censor anything and see what people have got to say. And Sharma Direct has a lot to say and a lot to teach us. I mean, we went deep, okay? So if you are the kind of person who is open to hearing about things that are not commonly accepted by society. If the idea of aliens and other dimensions and the matrix and portals and vortexes and all that kind of stuff doesn't scare you, then this episode is for you. If you can appreciate that we as human beings probably don't know everything that is out there in this whole universe, then this episode is for you. If you are not one of those people and you think that this planet and us humans living these linear lives is all there is, then perhaps this episode is not for you and maybe go and find another episode because it won't serve you if you're not open to hearing about all of this. So 
It was amazing. We spoke about the Matrix, about the darkness, what he calls the blackout, how we bring ourselves out of it, why it's happening, what we need to learn from it, sovereignty, why how we treat our bodies is so integral to our spiritual development, which I love because often a lot of people who are in the spiritual world I believe that it's all about the spiritual side of things and our bodies do not need to be taken care of as much because it's just kind of material, but it's not because we've been gifted these bodies as part of this amazing human experience. And the best way to be a channel, be a vessel for any spiritual message or guidance is through being a clean vessel and understanding that this body is a gift that we have to keep sacred. We also spoke quite in depth about his relationship with his girlfriend, Princess Martha Louise of Norway. And it was really, really insightful and eye-opening in terms of how do a shaman and a royal princess merge and how does a relationship like that work and why does it work? And I can tell you it works because there are two people who are loving and open and just kind of insightful and wanting to learn and Shaman Durek's understanding and knowledge of the importance of empowering and awakening the divine feminine is something we all need to learn from and understand and I think that's probably part of the reason that they were brought together I and, and I also said to him I think that you know, having all this knowledge about spirituality and shamanism and being brought into royal circles where those royals have connections to other royals could do wonders for humanity. It really was an amazingly insightful, beautiful, open, candid and funny episode and I enjoyed it so much. And yeah, if you are up for being open, listen to this from beginning to end. It will not disappoint. Please do share it with anyone who you think might appreciate the content and leave a review. Leaving a review is a really nice way to support me through this podcast and to help other people find the podcast. The link to reviewing is in the show notes to make it that much easier for you. So go ahead, just click on it now and do that. And also click the subscribe button or the follow button so you get updates of when these are being released because this is the season finale of season four, which probably has been one of my, my most fun seasons to record. And I'm coming back in June with season five and I'm taking a month's break from the podcast to be able to focus on my coaching and build on that and build on all my content and help you guys and be there for you guys. You wouldn't believe how much work actually goes into a podcast. It's not just the recording of it. There is so much work involved. So having a month's break will be a really nice way for me to recalibrate and get all my ducks in a row and come back all fresh for the next season. The next season is already lined up and it is not going to disappoint. Season five is going to be amazing. So press that subscribe or follow button so you can keep updated with everything that's going on here. And you can also go to laurenvacneen.co.uk or laurenvacneencoaching.com and subscribe to my mailing list and then you will get information of any offers I've got, anything that's going on with me and also some really lovely weekly emails giving you that extra little boost towards empowering yourself to take responsibility for your wellness. So without further ado, and I will see you in a month, here is Shaman Durek.
Shaman Durek is a sixth generation shaman, author of the bestseller Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself and Light Up the World, and a visionary for the now age. His focus is on the evolution of humanity and simplifying our lives through common sense. He's redefining what wellness means by putting the power back in people's hands so that they can consciously live their lives authentically and in alignment. Direct's teachings have impacted thousands of people from diverse public figures such as Nina Dobrev and Gwyneth Paltrow to tech giants like Dave Asprey of Bulletproof Coffee. And his revolutionary work has been recognized by prominent mainstream publications all over the world. So welcome, Sharman Direct. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate oh, you. What an honor. We, we did this a few months ago for Wellness Week through Podbean. So I wanted to do this on my own platform and just go deep down the rabbit hole. And totally for this up. So I usually start the show asking a question. It almost feels a bit strange to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. It's uh, because it's so much deeper, I guess, with you. But what have you done so far today to support your wellness? So I get up at five in the morning. So the first thing I do when I get up is I do what is called acknowledgement prayers. And acknowledgement prayers is I acknowledge the successes. I acknowledge the, the journey that I've been on. And I acknowledge how smart I am, what a, what a genius I am, and how intelligent and how I use my mind in the world to help the lives of people. I acknowledge that I have breath, that I have ability to see and ears to hear. I acknowledge the kindness of my heart, the generosity of my soul. I acknowledge as many things as I can. I acknowledge how there's beautiful people in the world, how there's so much beautiful nature around us. So when we get into acknowledgement, because one of the biggest reasons why we suffer on our planet is we suffer because human beings don't feel acknowledged. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They don't feel loved. And love is acknowledgement. So you'll know when you're in a relationship when you're being loved was that person starts acknowledging you and the same goes in your work and the same goes with friends and the same goes with family and so on and so on. So starting my day with acknowledgement and then making that time for me to be able to have that space of acknowledgement for myself and acknowledgement for everything else. And then I always start my move my morning at five o'clock with just really connecting into my body. So I'll flush out my meridian system. I'll, 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 mo I'll move my body around and kind of like do some exercise. Anything that I can do to get the blood flowing in my body and start flushing out the metabolic waste. Then I drink lots of water first thing in the morning. I make a nice warm broth. That's like either like a turmeric broth. And then I call my girlfriend, of course, and then I start seeing people at six o'clock in the morning. Wow, that's early. I, yes, I, I, I believe getting up at five before the sun gives me an extra power to, yeah. to, to really to move the day. Oh, I agree about early mornings. I just didn't, I, I can't believe you start your clients at 6 a.m. That's amazing. Yes. Perfect. So I always think a great place to start is to go, because I'm sure you, I know you've told this story so many times, more times than you probably can count, but for those who don't know about your background and how you came to be a shaman and how you came to do what you're doing today, I'd love for you to take us back through that a little bit. Yes, uh, I'll give you the short version versus the long <laughs> version. So the short version is I was chosen in my family on my father's side of the family, which comes from West Africa and Haiti. And I was chosen when I was a kid by the spirits. 
um, came to me a lot when in my crib and then started telling me about things that my parents knew that meant that I was the next in line chosen from what my great grandmother and her and her father and his, and his mother and I was quoting my father and his grandmother uh, were exposed to in our family and our shamanic roots. And then I started to train when I was about, say about 11, 10 years old. My father tried to hold it off as much as possible because he wanted me to have a normal childhood, which still wasn't normal to me because of my gifts. And then I, different family members would train me, different spirits would train me. And then I started meeting with different elders around the world who would also facilitate my spiritual knowledge and my well-being, as well as my spiritual leaders who were also religious would also in, train me in their knowledge of the Bible and the Quran and the Torah and Talmud when I lived in Israel. So a lot of my journey has been about taking shamanism out of the construct of just my African wisdom, which I was raised in, and then also acknowledging the Norwegian side of my mother's side of the family with the, with the Nordic side, but also bringing that knowledge and studying religion and philosophy and other people's way of observing creation and God so that I can be a much more adaptable in understanding human development, as well as anthropology and sociology, understanding the dynamic structures of why human beings do what they do based on their society systemic functionings, both based on their systemic psychology, the way they operate individually, and then bringing that in with the understanding of wellness from the perspective of human ecology, understanding how people develop themselves within any type of structure. So if it's like an environment, the food they eat, the conversations they have, the community that they're a part of, what's going on on a global level through media, through the government, all of these things have an integral part on how humans develop and how can I help people to get back to the roots of shamanism, which is about relationship, having true in-depth relationship with yourself, with the food you eat, with the words you speak, with the words you listen to, with your community, with your ancestors, with nature, with animal, and with your environment as a whole. Like, so a lot of people can really resource themselves in a better way and be able to move through challenging times without there being so much tension, anxiety, stress, mental decline, health um, uh, problems, all these different things, suicide. I mean, the list goes on, especially with everything that's happening with Corona, it's putting people in isolated positions. And so for me, it's about creating, utilizing my knowledge that I learned as a child being the shaman, all my years of training, all my study in school, I went to school and got a degree in health education, being able to understand working with different holistic doctors and also doctors in Ayurveda, Western medicine, as well as uh, Chinese medicine, and being able to facilitate that as an integral aspect of integrative therapy shamanically. I know that most people would have heard of the word shaman or heard of shamans, but a lot of people might not know what shamanism is. And I know that different shamans work in different ways. I'd love for you to take us through that. What is a shaman and how does it work? So a shaman is what we would call consider an ambassador of love. Their whole position in tribal culture is to see where there is imbalance and where the tribe is not thriving, both individually and collectively. And then they're also there to communicate to the spirits so that the spirits can communicate to the shaman to give the tribe ways that they can continue to adapt, evolve, and move through difficult situations. Mm -hmm. So the shaman's purpose is to make sure that it is fortifying and creating 
seeing the self awareness within the tribe of the people in the tribe individually as powerhouses of into their own autonomy, but also collectively as a resource of experience of how they both have to resource into each other to keep the tribe thriving. So the uh, most people, when they associate shamanism, they think of plant medicine, which is only 2% of shamanism. Shamanism is based in the understanding of relationship, as I said before. So the relationship that you are having basically decides what type of experience your body has, your emotions has, your mind has, and your spirit has, which decides how you end up being a creator in this world. So the greater your relationships, the more profound, the more authentic, the more authentic your relationship with yourself and the food you put in your body and the languages that you listen to, as far as the way people speak or the radio or the music you listen to or whatever type of input and output is moving through you. When it's in synergy with love, which is operating at the nucleus of your power, that's when you live your best life. And so that's the role of a shaman. The shaman is there to get you to see all the distractions, all the limitations, all the scarcity, all the fear, all the anything that you would see as a block or 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 uh, resistance or slow moving energy or dense moving energy. Everyone has a different name for it. And our, and our relationship is with you is to clear those things so that you can get on with your life. And you do that through working with spirit, through working with the elements? How exactly does it well, work? Well, there's is different there so shamans. So some shamans are earth shamans that do plant medicine and work with nature. Then there's water shamans like you find in Bali and Philippines and different culture, Hawaiian cultures and different um, cultures, Polynesian cultures that will specifically use water as a form of healing. So they'll submerge you in water or they'll put prayers over the water and dump it on you many times until your body starts shaking and clearing and you start crying. Then there is um uh fire shamans and they do more like the tamaskals where you go into sweating sun ceremonies fire ceremonies um fire dancing around the fire to cleanse your body from the heat you know these types of things and then there is the shamans who deal with air so the air shamans are shamans who deal with sound and music song uh, throat singing, anything from like, when you think of like the Inuit throat singings, the Sami people with the um, yoiking, any type of, of musical instruments like the Mende tribe, they use sound and induce you into these trance-like states so that they can allow the, the energies to start healing and poison start coming out of your body. And then there is the spirit shamans, which is what I am. And we connect to energy frequencies and spirits. So I can talk to spirits directly. We build a relationship with them. And then I can ask the spirit, you know, get rid of this, clear this. What, why are they having money problems? And I'll talk to the spirit of money and I'll ask what type of relationship you have. And if your relationship is one that is nurturing and loving, or is it like, you know, tug and pull or is it like you just completely have a really bad relationship with the spirit of money then it shows why money's not coming in your life and so or we look at the spirit of fear or the spirit of discord or the spirit of d depression or the spirit of doubt or the spirit of disease or whatever because everything is a spirit in the spirit world for us as spirit shamans and we address those spirits and once we clear them out people get better yeah so powerful. You spoke before about um, the tribe and kind of the shaman is there to kind of facilitate this healing as a collective. 
I guess I'm wondering, like, if we had shamans instead of presidents, <laughs> that might um, that might help a lot of things. What I want to hear about your perspective on what's going on right now. Well, first of all, to answer your question, if we had shamans instead of presidents, our world wouldn't have war. Yeah. Because war is instilled in the idea that there is some form of lack of acknowledgement of a culture, a belief, or a certain way people choose to live their lives. And when they don't feel acknowledged, heard, pre uh, presented, and seen, then they feel um, that they have a right to retaliate through anger, which is hurt, fear, which is hurt, and begin to go in that way. And instead of us creating an, an, an understanding of of communication and acknowledgement and engagement and how can we bring peace into all situations, we retaliate. And so the understanding in what I see in the world right now is that we have an imbalance of the feminine structures. The polarity of the feminine is imbalanced. So when the polarity of the structure of feminine is imbalanced, what do you have? Chaos, war, division, fighting, bickering, yelling, disruptive, demonstrative, aggressive energies, because the feminine energy is the one that balances those energies out. But when the feminine energy is not present, then the masculine energy takes over and the masculine without the feminine is all about um, competition, domination and control, right? But when the feminine energy is merged with the masculine, the masculine comes from a place of, okay, let's bring harmony to the situation because the feminine is showing me that that's the best route to take. Mm -hmm. So right now on our planet, we are going through what we call the great upheaval. The great upheaval and the blackout that I talk about in the book is, a, is basically a cycle where we have to make course corrections within ourselves individually and then collectively. That means what? That means saying no to, to, to any form of abuse. Anyone putting you down, yourself putting yourself down, anyone saying you can't do something, anyone saying anything that lowers your feelings of love, joy, happiness, bliss, elation, self-esteem, excitement, um, pleasure, anything that suppresses you in some way is needs to be eliminated. Um, secondly, uh, what it's showing is for people to look at what's really valuable, what's really important in their life. Most people have spent a lot of great time of their life distracting themselves with things that aren't really necessary, things that are actually taking up more time, more space than is needed in one's life to be able to achieve higher levels of success in, in themselves through the achievement of supporting community. So most people found success as an opportunity to create money, wealth, material possessions, and status. What, pe what, the, what, the, system, what the, the, the system wants is for you to stay in that perpetual space. That is the matrix. What spirit wants is for you to get back to what's really important. And it's not about these material things that can burn up in a fire and be gone tomorrow. It is about the sustainability of love, the sustainability of health, the sustainability of, of stepping into a position in community where your success is not seen by what you own or have, but it's seen on how you help or support another person seeing their own autonomy and how they can become powerful enough to, to, to fill themselves up so that the overflow they decide to give to another person. So it becomes this rippling effect of self-nurturing, self-care, and then putting that self-care and self-nurturing back into community. So if I'm gonna take time to love myself, then I'm gonna take time to love community. If I'm gonna take time to acknowledge myself, 
I'm going to take time to acknowledge community. If I'm going to take time to say beautiful things to myself, then I'm going to take time to speak into community beautiful things. So as I do to myself through the process of changing through evolution, I also need to share that information with society so that society can also develop into more loving, more generous, more kind, more accepting, less conflicting, more common sense based people that are not held in these very mirrored, duplicit, duality based, dissonant ways of thinking where every time there's a polar opposite, everyone's trying to decide what side they belong on. Mm -hmm. When polarity is an illusion created by the system that wants you to believe that there are polar opposites battling each other. So you stay in constant uh, constructs of chaos on this planet. And that's war, that's division, that's hate, that's discrimination, that's anything that limits us from removing everything out of this very dark, dark energy and bringing it into love, into synergy. What I wanna know, and th this, I mean, I'm kind of going to go a bit deep here, but I, I'm, I believe in everything you say, and I'm, I'm very kind of in a place right now that I know a lot of people are in, where we are seeing this matrix, we are seeing this blackout. But when we say they, the system, who is they? Where is the matrix coming from? If we've got this light and all the spirits who want there to be no polarity and no, you know, no duality, and everything is just one. Why is this happening? Our planet for a long time ago, when we were free people in the ancient times, there was a time when we were free. Our planet was seized by an ET colony that made deals with us for our technology. And the people who took those deals, even though a lot of people were against it, made a treaty with them. And that treaty gave them the ability to utilized our intelligence by examining the human body and how we could actually develop ourselves in our intellect, in our body and so forth. And what these beings figured out was that we are weakened by our thoughts. And when they explained that to those who made the treaty, those who made the treaty decided instead of saying, let us find a way so that we aren't weak in our thoughts, they decided to build, a, 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 how do we say, uh, an organization, it was the best way to put it. And in those times, it was a bit different. But what they did was they built an, a, a group of people who decided that the best way to stay in a position of power and luxury and had never having to lift a finger to do anything is to create a hierarchy system. So the hierarchy system makes it so that there's people on top and then there's slaves. But the slaves don't know they're slaves because they think they're just functioning in life. But so the system was calculating an idea of how do we keep them in enslavement? How do we keep them from believing that they are powerful enough to recognize their position? We have to create a God. We have to create a religion. We have to create a God that, that thinks like a human being so that they can feel the fear of it. And they have to create something that makes them believe that they could be destroyed. So the idea of heaven and hell plays an integral role in the matrix's plan to keep you from recognizing your power. So that way you, the moment you believe that God could hurt you is the moment you start hurting yourself and hurting your brothers and sisters. And then people who take on righteous indignations of, 
I'm right and you're wrong and I'm willing to do this, this and this to prove it to you. Those people are the most enslaved people. But what the system does is make them believe that they're not enslaved by making them enslave others so they don't have to look at their own slavery. So the thing is, those people don't want to leave their enslavement because they're getting certain types of freedoms that they think they're getting and luxuries they think they're getting in order to go and do these um, acts against their own brothers and sisters. So the system is, uh, is set up and the threat to the system is women. The threat to the system are shamans. Uh, the threat to the system are witches and seers and druids and anyone who, who lives in the realm of that goes beyond feeling and the unknown. So the system has created frequencies that every time a person thinks to step outside of what they've been programmed through their institutions of school and everything else, you get this weird thought that you're doing something wrong or something bad's going to happen to you or that you're not gonna be able to pay your bills, or you're gonna be laughed at by society and you're gonna be an outcast. They set up this frequency by using satellites to beam those frequencies constantly into the earth so that people will never step close enough to the outer boundaries of consciousness where the unknown is so that you can reclaim your power. So the way they have to get you to reclaim your power is through codependency by, by needing what the system can give you social services, this thing, that thing, keeping you in a, in, a, in a codependent way that you don't even have the ability to get in and research and do your own due diligence and find out what is right for you and what is not right for you. They'll tell you what to eat, what to buy. They don't care. They, they, they're, they're, they're banking on the fact that you trust them so much because of your codependency that you won't read the labels. You won't research the companies. You won't go find out about what the CEOs are doing. I mean, you won't even know that the, the music you're listening to, you won't even listen to the words. You'll just listen to the music. You won't realize that the whole song was a mantra of degrade. You won't see, you will, you'll be accepting of anything they put into media. They're, they're, they're desensitizing of you and your ideas of, 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 of death. They'll put movies on about zombies, women eating people, people killing each other and horrible, violent films so that you can become so desensitized that when they do war, it'll seem very normal to you. But it's not normal. None of this is normal. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is what I talk about in my book, Spirit Hacking, is that the whole idea of the blackout is not to have us suffer, but to have us go to a place within ourselves and witness for ourselves the lie that we've been fed over and over and over. I mean, I say it in my book, Caesar said it best, in order to keep the people from recognizing what the Republic does, give them the arena and give them cheap bread and they'll never know what the Republic does. Right. And it's so frustrating because, and that's why we're all being censored right now. And, and this is what, because why would, why would something that I say, or anyone who's kind of calling out, like you say, the CEOs, you know, like look up the CEOs, research what's going on in these companies, read the ingredients. What, what is that ingredient? The people who are calling that stuff up are being censored. And I always say to people who are opposing the stuff I'm saying, well, why would they need to censor me or all these other people 
Like, why do we need to be censored if there's not, you know, if there's no control? Period. I, yeah. They're so using I, it as 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 a, as a way of saying you're a terrorist of other people's minds. They're saying that you can be putting bad seeds into the minds of people that would have them rile up against a system that they don't want anyone to rile up against. But then again, if they're doing nothing wrong, hmm, then why would anyone need to rile up against them in the first place? Mm -hmm. You see, the key element here is to censor the people, stop them from talking to each other, get them in such disarray that they require more codependent um, um, things to provide for the people. That's why I'm very strong into Bitcoin. I'm very strong into being on BitClout, which is if you if you guys you can follow me on BitClout. I'm very much into decentralization of of of, of money and assets because they keep printing more money. They keep giving more checks, and every time they do, the value of money goes down, and it's going to keep going down. They're doing this on purpose so that they can so they can dry us out. So that we become these very hungry, thirsty human beings that are like, please help us. Mm -hmm. And the key element is to operate in autonomy. That's why I get involved in decentralization. That's why I get involved in like speaking to people such as yourself who of like mind are speaking about the things that people don't want to hear. People, some people rather be in a cage, as the as as, as Nelson Mandela said. People love their cages. People, you can put a key in someone's prison and say, here's the key to get out and they will never use that key. Yeah. And that, that's actually a really good uh, uh, analogy for just giving people, you know, health information or saying, hey, if you do these things for yourself and take responsibility, then you'll be okay. But a lot of people don't want to do the work involved. And that I know that's what you're all about. That's what the, the whole ethos of this podcast is empowering people to take responsibility for their own well-being. I know that's how, uh, that's kind of what you live by to an extent as well. I have so many questions from what you've just said. I want to kind of crack it all wide open. Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, so the first thing is, okay, we, we talk about they. Now, what I want to get to somehow, and I hope I'm going to make sense, is, right, so this ET colony, this happened, right? And first of all, let me ask, let's go there first. How do you know this? How does this come to you? Because in, in African culture, ETs were very connected to the first people of the African tribes, the Zulu tribe, the Mende tribe, the Yoruban tribes, the Shanti tribe, all of the African traditions have ET knowledge written in all of their ancient um, African shamanism and wisdoms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the, the what was the, one of the things um, in the African culture that was very strong in the Zulu tribe is don't defy the sky people. Mm. The heck is that? Don't defy the sky people? <laughs> You know, and, and, it, and it shows it in all of the cultural understandings. If you look at Aborigian culture, they have it in there. If you look at the Sami people, all of the different cultures and tribes of the ancients have this knowledge of these beings. Yeah, but then what they tried to do was make these like sensationalist movies to make us think that it was too crazy to acknowledge. Of and course. there will be people listening to this going, that's a load of bullshit. I don't, you know, how can we believe in you know, aliens, but this is the thing, like, why are we so presumptuous, so egotistical to think we are the only beings in the entire universe? 
Well, because that's what the system wants you to believe. That's why they mirror it from you. They know there's other beings. They know what exists out there. They don't want you to know. And also, if you go in the Bible, even the Bible talks about it. In the book of Genesis, it says, the Towers of Babel was a perfect example of the ET colony, um, uh, the way that they treat us. It said, look at them attempting to build in the, and, and literally in its original Armenic text, it talks about us as people coming together, building a tower. Now, a tower does not mean a tower. It could be a space tower. It could be a rocket launch tower, okay? Look at us, look at them attempting to build a tower into the sky of gods. Let us go down there as gods and confuse their language and send them scattering amongst the earth mm. so that they will never attempt to be able to have this power ever again. You're right. Now, this is in the Bible. Yeah, I remember learning this as a kid. <laughs> this is in the Quran. This exists in all cultures. The understanding of these beings have played out. And then you have Jesus coming and Jesus is like, love your brother and sister, love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, love with your heart, even if someone speaks ill against you, love them. Okay, wait a second, Jesus. You're saying that's what God is telling you to say? But then who is this other God that went and strike the people down with fire from the sky when they didn't do what they wanted them to do? Who was this God that put that that basically confused everyone's language and turned them against each other. Who was this God that made it so that people would be um, would be uh, you know completely destroyed and if they didn't do what they were to be done? So again, there's this there's contradiction. You have Jesus saying love, love, love. This is what the Father in heaven wants, and then in the first Old Testament it says this is what God wants. God will strike you down if you work on Sabbath. God will, um, will destroy you and send you to hell if you do not obey these commandments. Mm. Jesus never talked about God striking anyone down. Mm. Jesus never said God would ever hurt you. Jesus never mentioned anything about hurt, uh, persecution, uh, anything about any kind of form of hurt onto another human being. And the Old Testament talks about fire coming out of the sky. What the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> fire coming out of the sky, uh, beings talking about uh, uh, how dare they build, build a tower into the sky of us gods. Uh, not, it doesn't say God, it says gods. Mm. That is the original Aramanic language yeah. that was manipulated. Again, you go on to Google and type in Christmas. You get everything about Jesus's birth and Christmas and the Christmas tree. They don't want to tell you where it really comes from, that the Yuletide tree is the tree that represents the whole year. Each ornament is a witch's ball that you're supposed to hold and think of a friend that you want protected throughout the year and hang it on the tree. They don't tell you about the stockings or about bringing new things in your life and you burn the fire with the wood to stop evil spirits from coming into your home because it's dark, it's time of winter. No, they took it over. They don't tell you about Easter. You type up Easter. They don't tell you the true meaning of Easter. They tell you, oh, this is the, this is the um, resurrection. They don't tell you that Easter came from the, 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 the festival 
of, of Ostra, which is goddess Ostra, the keeper of the rabbit and the egg, the fertility egg and the rabbit of truth. And it tells the whole story about where it comes from, why Santa Claus wears red and has a beard and goes ho, 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 and gives only to the good and punishes the bad, just like they try to make God look all created to keep us. Oh, well, if God's like this in Santa Claus, they must be in sync. Yeah. It's really difficult. I mean, <clears throat> I was raised Jewish, not particularly religious, but my dad's Israeli and traditional. Um, I know you're a fan of Israel, <laughs> of course. but you know, it, it is, and this is why at, <laughs> at this point, it's very difficult for me to have, you know, I do have an affiliation. I do have a warmth and a love for the traditions and the, the culture. I love and, the Shabbat. The I, love, and... I love making latkes for, you know, the Hanukkah. <laughs> I love the Yom Kippur. I love fasting and I love uh, Rosh Hashanah. And I love the, mixing the, 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 the bitter with the sweet. I love all of those traditions. Okay? Yeah. What I don't like is when I see people putting, binding themselves up and putting so much intensity on themselves because they believe that God is going to punish them mm -hmm. and that they're going to do wrong by God. So they have to make everything like tight, you right. know, and it's, it's unfortunate that people would spend their life without questioning the very reality that they've been told by someone else. Right. Instead of them doing their own due diligence, going, going past the boundaries of the unknown and finding God for themselves, not by what is in a book, not by what some of your family member told you, but by you finding your own relationship. And that's what shamanism is about. Shamanism is not a religion. It is about, it's a way of life. It is about connecting to creation through understanding what creation has created. So mm -hmm. when in shamanism, we don't know God by a book or by some text or by what someone says, we can look at a tree and a flower. I already know who God is. Yeah, absolutely. No one can create such artistry and think in a tiny itsy bitsy box. It's not possible. There's like some of the most amazing artists of our time from Salvador Dali to Basquiat to Rembrandt to you name it, to all of the amazing artists of our time marveled at nature. Mm -hmm. They were out there. Their, their minds were on a whole nother level of out there, if I was to say, okay? So how can this person who's out there Look at nature that's completely out there. And, and you think you're going to put God in a box when God created that art? It's not possible. No. No, and that's why it's very difficult for people kind of, you know, having this sort of spiritual connection and understanding there's so much more to it than these rules we're told to follow. Like if I don't, you know, I, I personally, the thing that, I, that got me really questioning everything was thinking, okay, I was brought up eating kosher, but kosher you know quote unquote kosher animals are not killed in any more humane way than your everyday <laughs> supermarket or you know economy animals it's just the very second that they're slaughtered is different they're still in cages they're still fed you know antibiotics growth hormones like because for me everything started with health so when health became the top priority i became i started questioning and so now i it it, it kind of pains me to see you know how the system of like kosher meat is and that people follow it thinking that well god will you know not punish them because of it or god will love them because of it 
but you know that that's everyone's on their own journey like we know and you know that but that I I bless everyone I let them be but I'm not but I'm also not uh not aware of the nonsense Mm, yeah exactly okay so let's go back so we're going to the the matrix because I want to get to the bottom I want to understand this let's take someone like heaven forbid we mention his name and get censored but Bill Gates who a lot of people are believing now is behind the whole pandemic, wants to rule the world. Bill Gates is a human and he was born a human. So who is talking to him? Like many people, including myself, I I try to see the best in people. And I think generally I usually do. So I'm looking at it going, surely a a human being can't get that evil or the, you know, that the CEOs of these, these pharmaceutical companies knowing that, you know all the stuff they know about all the stuff that they're pushing out there who it's is programming magic. so it's just it's done through sorcery talk. yeah so there's a group remember i told you about the hierarchy mm-hmm. so the hierarchy has an ability to go into the dream world and into the thought process and draw spirits from darkness that are trapped souls who are tormented and send them to people to speak all of their torment into their head where these people actually think it's them thinking these thoughts. I talk about it in my book, I call it the sketchers. And this is why people get negative thoughts. They think those thoughts are theirs, but in fact, it's a spirit, but people haven't been taught how to engage those thoughts. They just go, oh my God, I think I'm so fat. Oh, I'm so ugly. Oh, I feel like the world's falling apart. They don't realize that the reason why they feel those things is because there's a sketcher in the room talking to them, Mm -hmm. telling them stories, saying things like, you're so fat. And they think it's their voice because your brain is a conductor. It doesn't belong to you. It is a conductor that sits in this biological spacesuit, but it's picking up on all types of frequencies, energy, sound codes, codes, all kinds of things. I mean, the things that it picks up on is absolutely amazing what people are going to find out in the future, what it picks up on. You can be sitting next to someone and they're thinking negative and all of a sudden you're thinking negative because you're picking up on their brainwaves. Again, all of these things, we have to stop going in. And every time we hear a voice in our head going, that is what we are thinking. So, but these, they know that these politicians, these people, these people like Bill Gates, they don't have the understanding of um of what we're talking about of being brainwashed so they are already brainwashed so they're so brainwashed and so ingrained in their need to feel power that they'll never listen to someone tell them they're brainwashed mm. so they just keep acting out these thoughts in their head and they don't realize that the system of the hierarchy which is the ones who want to stay in power and, and be eternal and all their little crazy things they're doing are basically manipulating them through magic, which we shamans and witches and ancient ones who, who, who've been passed down the helm from their ancestors have been told to only say certain things at a certain time or the people will turn, the mob will come against you. Mm. And, and said, so we wait and we feed the mob very slowly information. Certain shamans will give certain plant medicines to get people appropriated to be able to see beyond their, their constructs. Um, you know, and just little, 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 little. And then the na- nature is doing it as well with the pandemic and everything that's happening. Nature has its own way of, of allowing things to happen. Of course, the spirits can block these things from happening, but they don't want to block it because they know that this is not a, um, 
a, a thing to hurt humanity. This is a way for those who want to leave the planet, you can get off and go home quick and easy. And for those who want to stay, you're going to have to actually do the internal love that is required for you to be the, etern the external love to society. So are we in that place right now then where the people who, who like you say, you know, this is too hard for them, they need to just get off the planet, obviously as a conscious, uh, well, not like in their everyday human minds, they don't know that, uh, that that's not the decision in their, not they're in making. Their, not in their precognitive, not in their prefrontal mind, no. But right. subconscious mind, yes. So how do we, so, so is that kind of going to see a great, uh, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of stuff going on right now. And whether you want to believe it's from what they're pushing out or whether you want to believe it's from the virus, a lot of people are going to die. Like, and a lot of people yeah. are dying a lot. Of a lot more will as well, because and, there's another plague that comes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so are we, are we just kind of, is that part of what we need to go through right now? Do we have to let that unfold? Or is there a way to, 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 to get people to listen more or... It doesn't have to unfold, nor does the earthquakes or the tsunamis and what's coming down the pipeline. It doesn't have to unfold. The reason why it unfolds is because human beings want to continue staying in their cages. Mm -hmm. They want to continue having certain type of what they think life should feel like and be like. They don't understand that in ancient times when a tribe would be in a certain place living their life on nature, eating, sharing, dancing, music, having children and whatnot, Sometimes nature would shift and uh, an avalanche or something would come or some kind of unforeseen thing and they would have to migrate and reset up their thing. We have become so lack of the ability of understanding of what it means to have human adaptation that we have become so fixed on the idea that because we have these homes and materials and jobs and whatever that we're secure. We base our security on material promises and material possessions. And so this is why these things are happening because spirit is trying to get you to see you are fine without these things. You can pivot in any way you need to. You're always gonna be okay no matter where you end up. If you're living in London, England, if you end up in Kathmandu in the future, the point is you're going to be fine. The fact that you based your whole entire security of anchoring yourself into these things is what's causing you the pain. What causes people pain and adaptation is their inability to adapt. Yeah. They holding on, holding on, holding on. Oh my God, oh my God, I don't wanna, oh, oh, everything is falling apart. Let it fall apart, let go. And then all of a sudden, what falls apart is supposed to fall apart. And then you will have something new rebuilt. But people don't want to go through those experiences. They don't want to go through rites of passage of life and death, death and rebirth, death and rebirth. They don't want to have death and rebirths. They want everything to be peachy keen. Everything is fine. They don't want to get their knickers in a bunch. They don't want to feel things fluffing them, fluttering them, or creating any kind of distortion because they don't understand that distortion, pain, and suffering comes from you holding on and not letting go. We'll be back to the episode really soon, but first, a quick 
quick word from our sponsors, Block Blue Light. So as a busy mum and entrepreneur, there are days where I have to work into the evening and this means being at my screen way longer than I'd prefer. So a while back, I invested in a pair of blue light blocking glasses. Now, if you've never heard of blue light blocking, let me give you a quick rundown. Natural blue light from the sun boosts our mood and alertness, but technology has meant that we're now exposed to so much artificial blue light from screens, devices, and all modern lighting. And it's really affecting our health. Artificial blue light disrupts our sleep, interferes with our hormones, and causes digital eye strain, which can lead to long-term eye health issues. Now, I've been wearing my blue light blocking glasses for a while, but it was in the second lockdown when I was homeschooling that I decided to get a pair for my five-year-old to protect him from the amount of screen time that was required for his learning. And he now wears them anytime he's at a screen and if he's watching TV after dark. We got them from Block Blue Light, who are the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products. I chose them above some of the other brands because they're dedicated to delivering the world's most optimal and science-backed blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions like light bulbs. Some benefits you might notice instantly are improved sleep, less headaches, less migraines if you suffer from them, less eye strain, and a genuine boost in your well-being as your body adjusts back to its natural circadian rhythms. And let me tell you, since wearing these glasses, it's the first time in his whole five years that my son has slept past 7 a.m. And my most recent revelation with Block Blue Light has been their fit over glasses. Because I wear glasses for TV and computer and was finding it hard to wear both. But the fit over glasses are designed to slip right over your normal glasses without any heaviness or strain. So you get the best of both worlds. So to check out all of Block Blue Light's incredible health boosting products, including day and nighttime glasses, blue light blocking light bulbs, and 100% light blocking sleep masks to help you into a deeper sleep, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10 for a 10% discount. That's blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. I resonate with that so deeply because I think this past year has been, um, you know, I think we've been missing that because we've been in the fear so much. So my husband and I sat there and we said, you know what this year has done to us because we haven't been in the fear for even a second. It's put us into a deep introspection. Of yeah, I call it deep observation. Right. And it's like, okay, who are we? What do we want from this life? And really pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones. And like you say, we're, we're going to have to adapt. So we want to move somewhere else. We want to get land. We want to be able to be self-sustaining. And the amazing thing. Grow your that, own vegetables. Absolutely. Grow your own food. You know, yeah. farm to table. Exactly. Learn how to build your own water source. Right. Learn how to be able to be a functional human being. Yes. Well, this is my husband's dream, you know, to kind of go off grid and be able to do all this stuff. But the amazing thing also, you can see it from the fear or you can see it from kind of where I'm sitting right now, which is. The amazing thing about technology in one way is it has connected those of us who are like-minded to be able to inspire each other to do these things that so I am meeting and speaking to and have loads of colleagues all around the world who are doing these things and we're kind of all inspiring each other. And so this deep introspection has allowed us to do that. And so you've yes. got these two, this polarity between the people who are in the fear and just think that everything is not within their control and that there is this thing, this external thing coming to get them and they have no control over it. But what I keep saying, and I and I, I can't see this as being some sort of coincidence, is that 
of all the people I know, and I'm part of a big network in the UK for natural living and holistic living, natural parenting, that kind of yeah. thing. Of our whole network, none of us died. None of us got sick. So why? Why are none of us getting sick when, you know, like this is our whole network and I'm speaking to people all around the world in the same situation. And we're like, well, then there is more to it. There is more to it in the of mind. It's not just about a virus and a, and a, you know, like something, some, some, some uncontrollable thing. Yes, it's called fear. Fear is the real virus. Right. And, 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 and it's a type of fear. It's not just fear. It's an insetting of fear and a perpetuation of fear that lowers the spiritual defense of your relationship to nature, your relationship to spirit, your relationship to yourself and your community. So what happens is people who don't feel that level of what we call insulation from those powerful energies will get coronavirus. Right. And we've seen that. And I just, you know, it's like, it, it's, to me, it seems like common sense right now. Um, for people listening who just think we're bonkers right now, what can like everyday people do to kind of connect more with their higher self and to go into this a bit more? I think the first thing is the higher, we say in shamanism, your shadow is your higher self in disguise mm. because your shadow is the truth seek, the truth guider that guides you back to your ultimate self. Um, in order for people to, con to connect deeper with people who think we're bonkers, the people who think we're bonkers have been programmed um, with information that they themselves haven't done their due diligence. So the first thing I always say to people is just take a, about three months where you don't judge, you don't, you just observe, just observe life from your heart and your heart will reveal to you where there is imbalance and where there is lies. And when you go into that observation, it's going to reveal to you the things you need to see. And then you make your decision from there. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to show you. I'm not going to tell you what your journey is going to be because that's your individual experience. However, what I will say is, is that there's a point of reference where we have to, as human beings, start to seek within ourselves instead of seeking into other people's gardens, but to be able to seek within ourselves to become a resource onto ourselves. And that's how we end codependency and that's how we create sustainability. Sustainability doesn't just exist within what we do in nature and how we build buildings and what type of materials we use. Sustainability is also how we operate as a, in our biological spacesuits, as well as how we operate within our emotional intelligence and our mental acuity how are we sustaining ourselves as human beings through the way we think, through the way we feel, through the interactions we're having, through the conversations we're engaging in? Are those conversations sustainable to the energetic field? Yeah, so true. Just taking a minute to absorb all of this because I just love it. What I did want to ask you is I want to talk about plant medicine for a minute because it's become kind of a thing, like a you know, everyday Western thing to go and seek out a shaman and do plant medicine. And for those who, who are unaware, you know, stuff like ayahuasca, San Pedro, you probably know, I don't know much about it. So you probably know way more. Um, what is your, your, your opinion on that or your perspective on it? Should everyday people do this to reach higher levels of consciousness or because I heard that we, I spoke to another shaman 
I had a shaman on the podcast, um, Chloe Garcia Ponce, a Mexican shaman, amazing, amazing woman. And she said that she felt like plant medicine was there to be imbibed by tribe people who had the support of the tribe around them. And I'd like to hear your views on that because I know lots of people who have done it and had amazing experiences and felt very much like it had put them onto their, their path of ascension. Yeah. So, to- so I think the key element here is understanding that each individual person is what we say individual, mm-hmm. right? And so everyone has a different biological um, disposition and everyone has a different way they handle certain energies and frequencies and so forth. And I don't say plant medicine is for everyone. I think that the responsibility of the shaman is to remind people that in tribal culture, when they're taking medicines, they have the tribe there, they have nature there, which was a, and the ancestors, which was a huge support system for them to be able to process through things very easily and effortlessly mm-hmm. without having major, any major type of um, situations that can occur. Mm-hmm. Because in Westerner um, way of life, the aggressive markers that are constantly affecting one human being versus another is so different than someone living in a a tribal situation. The amount of stress, anxiety, inflammation, um, uh, uh, what you might call it, deterioration, um, over a toxicity, over too much uh, metabolic waste, uh, too much imbalance in the microbiome, uh, too much imbalance in the in the way the body is receiving energy. The systemic system is off. Um, the, the body cannot get into a homeostasis because it's constantly been bombarded both mentally, emotionally. The food is chemical based, mm-hmm. you know. Now you take a person who's got all of that and you bring them into a situation with met plant medicine, which is basically going to blow open those doors. For some people, well, some people can't handle it. Some people go into anaphylactic shock. Some people will go into a worse situation than they were in. And some people will come out of it with this awakening and go, I saw why I did what I did. I understand it now and I'm ready to move forward with my life in a deeper spiritual way. And then there's other people who become codependent on it and they come out of it and they be say, okay, I got to go back into it. And they come out of it. I got to go back. I got to go back. I got to go back. And they do it over and over and over. And they abuse the spirit of the plants, of the way the dieta is set up, why there's a dieta and why the elders created that was because it's about introducing you. In shamanism, everything's about relationship. It's about introducing you to the plant and the plant being introduced to you as this beautiful union is taking place. The plant is learning about your body, about your chemistry, about your your everything going on so that by the time you take the plant, you're in sync with it. But what's happening now is you have people who are just going, learning from these shamans and then administrating these medicines themselves and calling themselves shamans, which they don't even know anything about shamanism. I've met so many of these people who claim to be shamans. And then I go, okay, so what's the first principle of shamanism in all tribes? They don't know. What happens when someone goes into anaphylactic shock? What, what do, where do you push on their body? They don't know. Mm. Um, why does someone hold on to abuse and trauma? How come they don't let it go? No information. Um, When there is someone who's bipolar, uh, it's prescribed, uh, diagnosed by a a Westerner doctor, what does that mean in shamanism? No clue. I want the answer to all these questions now. (laughs) I mean, seriously, none of these answers can be answered because they're not shamans. Mm. 
So they're just learning about the medicine. They want to make money off the medicine. And then they want to feel that they're doing good for people by bringing them to the medicine. But they're not looking out for the people. They're not looking out for their health and well-being. They're not looking out for their mental well-being. And they're not looking out for their spiritual well-being and as well as their physical well-being. What they're looking out for is seeing someone have an amazing experience and be like, thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Mind you, that person returns to the Western world and it blows up their circuits because they're like, what is this? That's why when people go to Burning Man, they have to go to decompression. They have decompression parties because people are so filled with love and hugging (laughs) and caring and everything. And then they come back into this world and they're like, oh, so they're like, oh, we're having a decompression party. Oh my God, thank God they're having a decompression party. Yeah. But no one's creating decompression for people who are taking plant medicine. Mm-hmm. They take it, they go, they come home, they're back in the crazy hum, the craziness of buzzing sounds and cars and, and, and taxes being due and all these different things. That's not, that's not how it should be done. Mm-hmm. And so they should be taking time and giving people a certain amount of months of recovering through eating, through food and diet, through exercising and re- and connecting to nature to slowly being introduced back into society, right. which then creates a wellspring of how that medicine has truly helped you to grow. And I love how you talk about the body and the need to kind of eat healthily. And, you know, over the years, I have met people, you know, um, claiming to be spiritual, who have this idea that if you're kind of really connected to spirit, then the body doesn't matter. (laughs) I've heard you speak on this before and I'd like to, I'd like you to go there for a minute. Yeah. So for me, the body is a part of me. It's a, it's a spirit. And if I'm going to say, I love myself then I'm also going to love what I put into my system. So like for me, the way I eat, I, I eat soups a lot. I'm a soup person. So I eat vegetable soups, like really like very like not overly cooked soups all day long. That's what I eat and salads. Even in California? Yeah, soups and salads and water. That's my diet. Mm. That's what I eat. I don't, I, if I, and if I, it's mostly all vegetables and vegetable soups and lots of water and some coconut. I don't like to put in things that I don't know where it's come from. Processed stuff, even these new meats, these new, um, beyond the meats and all that are still processed. So again, it's how much are you consuming and why are you consuming it? And are you doing your due diligence to realize that anything that has come from a grocery store doesn't necessarily mean that it's edible? Yeah. So do you ever go for dinner? Um, If I go to dinner, I'm very specific about where I eat and my friends know it. Like I usually like to go to like raw food restaurants um, restaurants where they, I know the, the, that they have a certain ethics on the way they make their food and how they source their food from local farmers. So I don't just go to dinner. Right. Like people don't just say, oh, Sean, we're going to go to dinner. I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> I like literally go and say, I'll tell you all the restaurants I can eat at. And then you tell me which ones you're comfortable going to. And if none of them work, then we just have dinner at my house or your house. And it's better that way because that way I know what I'm putting in my system and I'm not having surprises. Or I go to dinner, I eat before I come to dinner and I enjoy sitting down with you and enjoying dinner. And I probably get like 
a nice tea with, with lemon water or something of this nature, which I've done many times. So you take it really seriously. The health of your body is a massive. Oh, I, I, of course, because without my biological spacesuit intact, I cannot bring my message to the people in this world. Mm -hmm. So I have a very, my lifestyle is very much indicative of five o'clock, wake up, do my rituals, six o'clock, take my first thing, three clients, interviews, TV stuff, whatever, one hour nap, wake up, work out, sweat for one hour, get all the toxins out of my system, go for a hike, walk something. And then anything I have to do, if I have to do like a TV spot or I have to do a talk or I have to do, or I have a group uh, meeting with friends or connecting with friends, then I do, I set those things up in bed by 10 o'clock. Mm. This is my life. And I follow my structure and my routines very intensely, not because I'm like this structural person, but because I found what is makes me stay in sync with myself. Yeah. I want to ask you, you did mention your girlfriend earlier. How does that work in a relationship? Because do you have to compromise any of that to be, to make a relationship work? Cause you're going to come across another human being who's been raised in a totally different way and you know might does that work in a relationship to have all your ways of doing it like that i have to make minor adjustments yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she doesn't like it that i get up early you know because she likes to sleep so but it's great because then if i'm if the people who have come in the home um aren't there i can take the kids to school i can make the kids breakfast and grab them get them to school talk to them early drive them hear all their stories you know, so sometimes so she can like do what she needs to do with the horses or I go meet with her and with the horses and then we go and take care of the horses together or we'll go riding or I will do my riding lessons, my classical riding lessons. And then, you know, so it varies. But I think the one of the hardest things for me in that relationship is when I'm with her parents, not because I don't yeah. love her parents. I love my future mother and father-in-law. Um, it's the food that they that they administer in the palace or wherever we are and it's grand buffets of every type of like pig with an apple in its mouth <laughs> and like beef everywhere and like you know just cheeses a whole table of cheese which i'm like oh god inflammation city you know so i always have to tell the queen mother I'm coming over for dinner. Please have some soups available for me and some vegan things available for me and, you know, little things that can help me so I don't feel like I have to stuff my face um, and always be subjected to this intense amount of food and the amount of times that we eat, you know, in any type of one occasion. If someone's another royal family member is coming, we have these grand balls and these grand banquets and it looks weird if you're not eating the food. And so I try I to- understand, surely, if you're a shaman and this is who you are. Yeah. And so, you know, at first it was difficult, but then I had to put my foot down and be like, I'm gaining weight. I feel sick. I feel tired. I feel like groggy. And it's because of I'm, all these things I'm attending and all the food I have to eat in every attendance. <laughs> so now you're going to, I made a decision. I said, if you want me to come to these things, you need to know there's sometimes I will not eat. Mm. So for those who don't know, your girlfriend is Princess Martha of Norway. Um, and I wonder if you think, because obviously you said your, mo your mother obviously has these Norwegian roots. 
Yeah, my mom is Norwegian, yes. And that's so interesting. And so I'm also wondering if this union was also to kind of bring your very important message more to the public eye. And like, how no, did royals respond? When I was, what did you say? How did royals respond to this message you've got? In the beginning, a little not, I would say in the beginning, they're kind of um, like, oh God, here we go again. And then <laughs> what happens is every time it, it gets a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better to the point where they now start to really listen and then want to experience some things. Wow. So it's not like, first it's like, oh, 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 you know, you can tell the uncomfortableness and then it becomes like, okay, uh, can I try it, you know, or let me see what this is, you know, and now it's accepted. Um, in our family, uh, as far as some of the other royal families, yet yeah, not so much, uh, but that's okay. You'll I get there, tell. you'll get there. <laughs> get there. Um, so the thing is, is that the, the, the understanding in, is that it's all about how you preface this something and how you speak about it. If I was to go in and talk about crystals and woo-woo and all this kind of stuff, I wouldn't get where I am with them. Mm -hmm. They think I'm crazy and I'm some cuckoo bird that walked off the boat and is now in love with their daughter. It's not going to work. But because I bring real science to it and I show them how that executes in modern intelligence, mm -hmm. this is what neuroscientists are saying. This is what I said. Do you see the comparison? They're like, oh my God, wait a second. That's that's uncanny. Okay, yes, of course we do. And then you see, okay, and this is what's happening here in sociology. And here's how shamans feel about it. Now look at what's playing out right here. Isn't this the same thing? And they're like, oh, oh indeed it is. I'm like, well, yes, it is, isn't it, mother? And so, you know, and, and so, you know, it, start, it starts to create a conversation that is worth having now yeah. because now they can understand how to piece it together so that their mind can be more accepting of it. And so this, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, this is what I meant by, I feel like there was such a deeper reason for you two being brought together because, you know, okay, now it's the Norwegian royal family, but they're, you know, all connected. If the British royal family starts practicing, I mean, I know they use homeopathy, but you know, if they get to the point where they start understanding these, you know, who knows what can happen to the matrix? It's true, <laughs> and I have access to all of them. Right. And they're all they're all my 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 father-in-law's um, cousins, you know, and my girlfriend's cousins. They're all cousins. So they all talk. So every Christmas we get all the family letters from thing. So, you know, honoring Martha and I and the kids and every we get it from all the different rural houses. It's Merry Christmas, Shaman Durek, Merry Christmas, blah, 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 Princess Martha, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, of course, they don't call me Shaman Durek. They call me Dirk Verrett because that's the cordial way. But I'm saying Shaman Durek because that's what I want them to call me. <laughs> <laughs> But the point I'm making is, is that um, when we are in those circles, even if they're uncomfortable, what I love about my girlfriend is that she's a radical. She's willing to live without restraints. Yeah. And that is, is so powerful to just sit back and watch her. I just love watching powerful women honor their space, their intelligence, their, their sensuality, their sexuality, the way that they move and talk and share with the world, the way she is with her children, the type of mother she is. It, it just, it's just, it's, it just, 
It's everything to me, you know? Like when we are in our home and, we, and I watch how she's there with the kids, that's one of the reasons, one of the things that made me fall in love with her was she was so open-minded. She was so humble. When we first met, she didn't come in like, you know, when we, we started having dates, she didn't show up in like these big like drivers driving her around. She didn't want that. She had a pre someone in a Prius driving her around. You know, she didn't have to go get an Uber and get like a big super deluxe truck because she's the princess. She came in Uber when she saw me feeding homeless. She got down on her knees and, and was like hugging them and talking to them and sharing with them. And she will play video games with me. We'll do VR and play Star Wars together. She's better at it than I am. For some house reason, <laughs> she knows how to use the force a lot more better than I do in the, in the VR. But nonetheless, you know, it's good. And we, we ride horses together. She's amazing horseback rider champion uh, uh, for her country. You know, we fence together. We love fencing. She's I mean, she's such a and she's such a um, competitive person because she knows that when I do my fencing, I'm all about the etiquette of the fencing. Whereas when she fences, she just wants to get a jab in on her boyfriend. So she just starts like go coming at me like a bull. And I'm just like, oh, you know, it freaks me out because I can't stay in my positionings, you know, with my wrists and stuff with my hands like this. But it's it's so nice. But what I love the most about her is what she gained from her mother and from the women in the royal family is that her mom, King Olaf, was to be married to Princess Marta. But during the Nazi war, they had to flee. And the only way they can survive, um, they, she had to go to New York and she, she was good friends with Theodore Roosevelt. So she spent time with him and she never got a chance to become queen. So she never ascended to the throne and she ended up dying. But what happened was the palace was all men. It was all about men. Wow which I think is a lot of the reasons why Marta did not ascend to the, she was first born and she was born to become queen, but they only wanted men in power. So her brother, she, they made her abdicate her crown to her brother and give up her position as queen. And, but you know, you're asking a little girl to do that. She's young age. I mean, it's a lot of to ask, but the thing, what I love about her mom is that her father and her mom could not marry each other. They were madly in love with each other, but they couldn't marry each other because King Olaf said you can only marry royal blood. So he wouldn't accept their wedding and he wouldn't accept their relationship. So they had to sneak out to be with each other. And finally, mm -hmm. time went on. He finally, you know, was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. But when she came into the royal family, there was no women in the palace. There were no women people working in the palace. Only one person, which was my future father-in-law's sister, um, Astrid, um, um, Aunt Astrid, and she was the one doing all these things, but wasn't getting paid what she should do, wasn't getting paid, was just basically doing things because that's just the kindness of who she is. Aunt Astrid is an amazing woman. I love Aunt Astrid, right? And so, she, uh, so Queen Sonia had to come into an environment that was all male, mm -hmm. and she had to be uh, so strong in who she is as a woman to be able to carve out her position as an equal, with a voice, with power, to be seen with respect by the other royal houses and from her own country to become the queen that she is today. And so that reflects a lot in Martha's behavior because Martha has such a strong mother 
who operates in that way. So I can see her woman empowerment towards women, our love towards uh, children, how we want to educate children about nature and how to connect with nature and how to, to, to be able to not be so much on their computers and video games, but be more about uh, painting as a family and sculpting as a family and going outside in nature and, and hiking as a family, riding horses as a family, instead of the kids always being plugged in. You know, we're very against that. And so we try to balance that out. We can't take them completely away from it, but we balance it out. And and I love the way she shows up for her children. And that that inspired me. That's what one of the reasons why I fell in love with her. The other was because how free she was and what a genius she was in her mind as a woman. First female in all the royal family of England, Spain, Norway, Denmark, uh, Monaco, Luxembourg, Greece to stand up and say, I don't wanna take money off the backs of people. So I'm gonna get rid of my title, Her Royal Highness, so I can work and make my own money. And she built her horse company, Hest. She built her uh, YouTube. She has a clothing line. She has a, a beauty line that's now being put all over the world. And she did it with herself, not with the help of her family. No one was gonna give her a leg up because just because you're the princess. She has to go out there and I watch her go out there with camera crews in the mud, picking up mud, mud all over her body, driving big rig trucks as a princess and saying, I am a woman and I can do this. And she does it so beautifully and then puts on a dress at evening and we're going to a gala and she looks over at me and I'm like, you're something else. That's you know? amazing. And amazing how much she's done and 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 also kind of like the autonomy and, and sovereignty and the women in the family that i'm hearing and that that, yes. that lineage and that that's beautiful to hear but also your your passion and your love for her it's just and for those who haven't seen that there was that amazing vanity fair piece that was done on your relationship which i think was lovely and you know i'd really recommend people reading that because it really gives an insight into the relationship and also into her and her passions and 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 she gets very candid about her love for you and what brought you together. And it's really beautiful. So yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. Of course. And also our home, it's three girls and her and a, and a female dog. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like bowing down to the, to, to the women and just be like mouth closed. Okay, teach me. Well, how can I evolve myself as a man more? And then my young daughters, my bonus, we call it, we don't say stepdaughters, we say bonus daughters in Norway. My bonus daughters will say, well, uh, you know, like you, you, you say this and you do this, but you really need to hear this because this comes off male chauvinist and this sounds like this. And I don't, I'm not, I don't battle. I'm like, as you say, I will definitely love on myself more and clear those <laughs> issues, you know? And it's, it's so refreshing because I think that we really need to put the power in really helping young girls feel strong and supported in this world. You know, uh, one of my friends, Paul Hawkins, and he did this book called Drawdown. And he said that when they all 256 scientists got together to figure out how they're going to be able to, to help the environment. And the first thing they figured out was empower women empower young girls because they are the keepers of society. They're the ones who build families. They're the ones who, 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 who basically hold the pillars of society. Well, in shamanism, it says a tribe cannot survive unless women are in the position of power. So what does that tell you? Absolutely. So I do everything for my girls. My girls call me up 
Like yesterday, my she called my my uh, middle uh, teenager called me up, and she's talking to me about her boy stuff and this stuff and all these different things and so forth. And I'm just like, I listen. I'm there. I support. I hold space, and I give them the wisdom that I think is necessary for them to see their own empowerment. I don't tell them what to do. I ask them questions. I engage them in conversations. Like so, um, based on what you shared with me. Do you feel that this is coming from a place where you feel uh, safe and loved and supported? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, then. So what is your choice going to be? They're like, okay, thank you. You're right. right. You know, and it's and really that like, simple, right? Just to listen to them. and Just listen. Yeah. Just listen. Enter their world where they're at. You know, my youngest, she likes to wrestle. She's very athletic. She's a champion horseback rider, jumper. So I go to the competitions with her and talk with her and get her prepped up. So she can win these competitions. I put her through meditations. I wrestle with her. We pillow fight each other. We have a different relationship. And so when I talk to her, I talk to her while I'm playing and having fun with her, but I talk to her on her level. Mm -hmm. Then the middle one, who's all about beauty. She's just got her new makeup line that's coming out. She's all she's got her YouTube as Leia Beauty. She's doing face faces and all kinds of amazing makeup you know so i talk to her about fashion we talk about art we talk about makeup and colors and what's the cool thing happening and we have our relationship then there's the eldest mod and mod is a, she likes to knit she's a, she likes to paint and draw she's writes poetry she enjoys sketching people and she's an amazing um writer and knitter and poetry so when i write to her i send her poems throughout the day I write her poems and she writes poems back to me. And that's how we communicate all the time. It's beautiful. I, I love your kind of support and your, your, your belief in empowering the divine feminine. It's something I feel very passionately about. I have a whole module on it on my, I have a, a group course for women. And I, it, it's because I, I agree some, I, I didn't know that about shamanism, but innately I feel that the world cannot operate in the way it's going without this balance of the masculine feminine and the feminine needs to be empowered. And all the women that I see, all my clients, most of my clients are women and the, every single problem seems to stem from the same thing of I am not enough. And that comes from not being in their feminine power. And so I, I love everything you said right there. Absolutely. But and also in shamanism, it's a big problem because shamanism came from women. Mm -hmm. And then it was taken over by men. So now every time you see a shaman, it's a man. And I'm like, what is going on here? Shamanism derived from women. It wasn't a male shamans. They were, they were women shamans in the beginning. And then the women had children and men were then passed down from their mothers and they became the male shamans. Mm. But in tribal culture, it was always women shamans. Mm. And then it changed. And again, it's that patriotic masculine, I'm going to take over and take it away from you and make it mine. And so every time I see a, a woman shaman saying, I want to be a woman shaman, I'm like, let me support you because I, we need more women shamans out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I was gonna say, before we go on to the uh, All About You uh, segment, the quick fire, I was gonna say, what would your parting message be? I'm thinking now it's gonna be something to do with empowering the feminine, but maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's- No, no, you're absolutely right. I think that right now what we can do is to constantly lift the feminine in any way possible. And that means like even microfunding anyway, um, we can put money back into women's hands, uh, ways that we can support women's visions and dreams to becoming more manifest. 
ways we women can get together and start creating what we call covens again, like the ancient time yeah. the women had to come together and they would have these covens, even if it's a tea ceremony or intention group, or if it's a, a magic group, or if it's a woman's I love my body group. I don't care what group you create, just create it. Yeah. Yeah. The more that covens are developed, the more the planet's going to heal. If you're a man, start supporting women, start listening to them, asking more questions, stop giving them your opinions. And most importantly, do not do this to a woman. Do not diagnose a woman. No woman wants to be diagnosed from a man. That's the worst thing you can do. Ask her questions, engage conversations, don't argue, don't bicker, and get into a space of you are in my life or and to learn, I'm here to remember and learn from you as we are to each other and to create this beautiful symbiosis. And I know we can do it. I know it's possible. I do it in my own relationship and I have the most amazing relationship. We don't fight. We don't bicker. We don't go into those nonsenses because it's all, there's no need for power play. I respect her power. She respects my power. I've got something to say. She has something to say. If we don't agree, we throw it up in the air and we let it go. And then we wait to see which one falls. And we're like, oh yeah, you were right. I was, that was not, I don't know what I was thinking. We start laughing about it, you know, but it's not like I need to win over you this information, you know? And I think if we realize the feminine nature of nurturing has to be at the forefront of human society Beautiful. and human consciousness. Just thinking about what you said about if you have a disagreement and I'm just thinking I'd love to be a fly on the wall in a room where there's a disagreement between a shaman and a princess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, she's out. a princess. So sometimes she has her princess sides that come out, <laughs> you know? And so I watch and I always say, I'm like, oh, hello, Princess Mata. And I'll see her put her hand to her chest and say, well, in my opinion, I'm like, oh, here she is. Hello, hello, hello. Shall I go and set your crown, my dear? I love it. We start laughing. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so like I told you, I do this all about you thing. Just a few quick fire questions to, to get the listener to know the guest a bit better. Although I think we've got quite a good idea of who you are. So the first one is the fill in the blank, which is wellness is? Realness. Okay. What have you had to compromise in order to follow your path of shamanism? Being loved. Wow. But you got there. If you weren't a shaman, just a regular guy, what career would you like to try? I would like to be a doctor. Wow. Okay. And I could see how that would go. What are you most enchanted by in a person? Their playfulness and freedom. Beautiful. Okay, and the last one, what do you know to be absolutely true that most people would disagree on? That sarcasm is literally uh, the truth in disguise of passive aggressiveness. Oh, I like that. Okay, well, Shaman Direct, thank you so much for being here. This has been so much fun. I've loved it. And tell everyone where they can follow you on Instagram, because I love following all your videos. That you always do. Thank you. So you can follow me on Instagram and you can also follow me on BitClout, um, which is my social medias. And you can also check me out at my website at shamandurek.com or check out the podcast that we have Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Yeah. And your newsletters from your website, from your emails are great as well. So I'd highly recommend everyone subscribing to that. All the rituals that we offer you to do so you can increase your powers and your energy and manifest more. Yeah, it's all beautiful. It's all amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, my love. You're so welcome. 
Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today. I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and maybe even leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And better still, if you could share with friends and family who could benefit from the content, that's what I'd really love. I just want us to share the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health. For more free resources, visit laurenvacneen.co.uk and laurenvacneencoaching.com.